0: Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Okay. What is it you want to ask me about? Well, just about
1: your book, The Life and Death of Cyril Wecht, Memoirs of yeah, America's yeah. Most controversial Sure. Okay, so sure, 321. Three, Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Cyril Wecht, Dr. Cyril Wecht, famous forensic pathologist. He's just published a book on September 2020 titled The Life and Deaths of Cyril Wecht, Memoirs of America's Most Controversial Forensic Pathologist. I've read through the book in its entirety. It's an excellent book. Uh, there's a lot of information uh, about a very esteemed, uh, the very esteemed life of Dr. Wecht. So, Mr. Wecht are you, or Dr. Wecht, are you there? Uh, uh, hi, hi. Um, nice talking to you, and thank you for uh, inviting me to participate in this. Awesome. Well, I really agree. She, agree. Uh, I'm grateful for you agreeing to the interview. You've written 45 professional books for doctors and lawyers. You also have other well-known titles such as Final Exams, True Crime Cases from Cyril Wecht. And Tales from the Morgue. But uh, for people who are uh, curious about your background, what led you to write this memoir about your life, Dr. Webb?
0: Well, actually, I was being interviewed by uh, Jeff Sewald, who is my co author on this autobiography, a, a, a very experienced uh, fine writer uh, for a local magazine, and he suggested it a few years ago. And I said, gee, I, a great idea. And then I decided that coming uh, toward the end of my career, I'm not retiring yet, I'm still very active with autopsies and medical legal consultations. But I thought, gee, uh, why not do this and uh, go through uh, past history, some of the uh, serious legal trials and travails that I have experienced, talk about the criminal justice system and give reviews, uh, succinct, presentations of a couple dozen of my uh, famous controversial cases in this country and some from countries abroad. So we started to work on it and spent uh, many, many hours uh, me talking to uh, Jeff and and we put it together. So, um, you know, I felt I kind of owed it to myself.
1: Right. Well, it's a great book. I mean, it has many vignettes and comments from colleagues, family, friends, admirers as well. I highly recommend the book. Can you talk about these, a lot of people who may not know your uh, litigation history or the history of, of what happened to you, can you talk about that? Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, which,
0: uh, what are you referring to specifically? Well, Cases yes. Or are there some matters that involve me, uh, two, uh, two matters of a criminal nature in which I was charged uh, and I had to go to trial? Is that what you're talking about? Yes,
1: the latter, please.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, the first one um, was uh, 1979 and 281 here in Allegheny County. Uh, the local district attorney and sheriff did not like uh, the idea of me as coroner conducting uh, open public inquest on all police-related deaths. Uh, they wanted to handle it themselves. Uh, you know, I was 50 uh, years ahead of uh, my of, of the times here with the George uh, Floyd uh, case uh, when as coroner. I... Uh, made it a point to have a uh, public inquest uh, presided over by a very prominent, experienced attorney, sometimes retired judges, in one instance, a superior, an expired a Supreme Court justice. Um, every uh, case, whether it was a uh, pursuit, arrest, uh, incarceration, uh, whatever, um, every such uh, death was reviewed. So they did not like that, and they brought charges against me, and uh, by the time... Uh, Who came to the jury uh, from the uh, six charges? There was only one left, and within a matter of a few hours, uh, the jury uh, put in me. But it cost me a lot of time and money and effort and and so on. And the second one, which was much more serious, uh, started in 2005 um, and then continued on through into 2009. And uh, the U.S. Attorney, uh, who was looking to get herself appointed to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, she already uh, was beyond the local federal bench, and uh, she was extremely ambitious and, and ruthless, uh, and she filed 84 felony count indictment against me, 84. So two years after the indictment was filed, and just two weeks before trial, they dropped 43. The meantime, I had to pay my attorneys preparing for all of that. I went to trial, and there was a hung jury me presenting one single witness. <laughs> My attorneys did a marvelous job, and many of their expert uh, their, their defense, their, their witnesses uh, proved to be good witnesses for us. So it was a hung jury, and they went up to the Third Circuit, and the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, three Republican judges, by the way, and I'm a Democrat, um, they uh, sent it back and said that the case should be handled by another judge. Um, and with, with less biased eyes, fresh eyes. And uh, then before that was argued, um, the government dropped another, um, uh, let's see, they dropped another uh, uh, 17, um, or no, 27, 27 more charges. And there were only 14 left. And the judge, uh, the new judge, wrote a scathing 55-page report and uh dismissed it with prejudice. Uh, so, you know, it cost me li- li- literally millions of dollars. My uh, attorneys, excellent attorneys from K&L Gates, um, they were gracious and they forgave me 6.2 million. So, in other words, this uh, cost me over more t- 10 million dollars, uh, four plus that I paid for, and 6.2 that I was forgiven uh, by uh, uh, the uh, very gracious and magnanimous uh, attorneys there at K&L Gates so those are the two trials and I talk about them and the purpose of that is um, to show you how the criminal justice system can be corrupted, subverted, perverted used malevolently uh, by people uh, whether it's a personal or political um, uh, reason whatever, uh, you know Americans are very naive. They think, oh my God, nothing like that ever happens in this country. These wrong things that occur in those terrible totalitarian nations and so on. Well, um, uh, it's regrettably far from being reality. And, right. And you had ours.
1: troubles troubles with the FBI as well. And, uh, well, some the FBI was involved, yeah, involved in that here.
0: federal case. Yeah. It was a, a disgraced FBI agent who had been Booted out of the office in New Jersey, somehow sent out to Pittsburgh, and he came here, and he hooked in um, with a local district attorney, uh, a long-time enemy of mine, Um, and the the U.S. attorney. uh, They all had, you know, different different reasons, but they congealed, came together uh, for their own respective uh, purposes and objectives, but... uh, You know, I had the courage and tenacity and the wherewithal to fight it, and I did. And I succeeded.
1: And they wanted you to plead guilty, too. They were trying to get a guilty plea out of you, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what, within a matter of, uh, I think it was just days or so on, when my attorney uh, went to them to find out, they said, uh, you know, Dr. Wick, remember, 84 felony count indictment." and to show you how, how unscrupulous, rotten they are, they said, if Dr. Wick will plead guilty to one charge, one, um, that'll be the end of it, he won't go to jail, uh, won't be any fine or, or, or whatever, and, uh, and I said, no, screw them, and... Um, and, uh, but that just gives you an idea of, uh, you know, they just threw, uh, the saying goes everything against a wall and you hope that something sticks.
1: Right. And you were kind of a well-known, not just a well-known coroner, but a political, you were involved in the political process. I don't think a lot of people know that much about your local political background. Um, but you know.
0: Yes, I had been involved politically and had been elected as coroner many times, uh, at two separate tenure periods, um during which I had been elected, I think, a total of six times or so on, um, three uh, at least in each of those 10-year periods. And then I was the chairman of the Allegheny County Democratic Committee for many years. And um, I was a state committee man and a national committee man. Uh, In fact, I spoke at the 1982 Democratic National Commission. And in 1982, I was the Democratic nominee. I won the primary overwhelmingly, and ran against the incumbent U.S. Senator John Hines, who had a few dollars to spend, mm-hmm. um, and and I lost in 1990. But yes, I have been involved politically, and that was part of the uh, part of the situation. Another part of it that played out, I'm sure, although uh, never acknowledged.
1: Right, and how did how did you initially get involved in analyzing the JFK assassination?
0: <clears throat> I was invited to present a paper at the American Academy of Forensic Sciences meeting in 1966. Um, this is the largest, most prestigious group of forensic scientists in the world, and they meet annually. The different sections, all the different forensic science sections, so they choose the subject each each uh, year a plenary session uh, that is of interest to as many if not all, of the different sections of the academy. And they chose, understandably, then uh, the Warren Commission report, which had just come out. And I was asked to represent the pathology section of which I had been the chairman. And I said, certainly. And so I prepared and gave my paper. And then from there on, it just blossomed. I uh, was contacted by uh, all kinds of national television stations and uh, then I was consulted by Jim Garrison in the Clay Shaw trial and testified before a federal judge. Then finally, in 1972, I got in as the first non-government-related, non-government-sponsored forensic pathologist to examine all the autopsy materials at the National Archives in Washington, D.C., and that is when I discovered that the president's brain was missing. Page 1, August 24, 1972, New York Times, by their top reporter, Fred Graham, President's Brain Missing. It remains missing as we speak here today, never examined. It was fixed in formalin to harden it for two weeks properly done. And then they went back and looked at the autopsy report and it says sections of the brain are not made in order to preserve the specimen preserved the specimen for whom? For Jackie Kennedy's mantelpiece? For her children or grandchildren? Unbelievable. The brain wasn't sectioned because it would have shown clearly that the president was struck in the head at uh, two different times, uh, one shot from the rear and one shot from the front, and that's what would have been seen with the hemorrhagic tracks through the brain uh, if it had been properly examined. And <laughs> so it wasn't. Uh, it was just a continuing cover-up, the autopsy being done by two pathologists, career naval pathologists at Bethesda Naval Hospital where the body quite illegally had been taken uh, out of the Dallas jurisdiction where the autopsy should have been done. Um, Two hospital pathologists uh, who had never done a single gunshot wound autopsy in their entire careers. Never a single gunshot wound autopsy in their entire careers. And now they're given uh, the president... With multiple gunshot wounds, you got to determine angle, range, sequence, trajectory, and then you got to correlate all those wounds with the wounds in John Conley, Governor Conley. Uh, a very, very formidable task that two or three forensic pathologists working together um, would have required uh, several hours to handle. But all of the top civilian forensic pathologists uh, who who were well known to the government were never called upon. Never. It was a military uh, governmental. Controlled operation from beginning to end.
1: And you were uh, one of the main kind of advisors for Oliver Stone's film. You, Jim Garrison, and Fletcher Prudy, is that correct?
0: Yes, I was an official consultant to uh, Oliver Stone. Went down there to New Orleans where they were filming, and uh, I'm the one that uh, uh, got them to put in that marvelous. Uh, Scene, uh, which I use every time I give a talk on JFK assassination, uh, showing uh, how uh, President and Connolly would have been seated in the limousine and how the uh, the uh, magic bullet, what they call the uh, hero, the single bullet theory, uh, would have zigzagged up and down and right and left, uh, going through um, Kennedy's back, out his neck, moving upward, despite having been fired from the six-floor window. Right. of the school book depository building then turning in midair going back hitting conley behind the right armpit going through the lung destroying four inches of the right fifth rib exiting below nipple level and there you see conley holding his white stetson and hat after he's been shot the stetson hat is at the shoulder level the bullet emerges below nipple level hooks back up and around goes into his Exhibit 399, the hero of the single bullet theory, which they had to come up with because they had a real-time problem, a conflict, a seemingly impossible physical incongruity between the timing depicted in the Zapruder film and the timing required to shoot that piece of junk considered to be the worst weapon of a genre developed anywhere in the world, the Maniker Kirkon non-automatic bolt-action rifle. And that was why they came up with the single bullet theory, which is a sine qua non of the Warren Commission Report's conclusion vis-a-vis a sold assassin. If you don't have a single bullet theory, then you definitely have two shooters. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: what it's been all about in terms of why I've stayed with this for these 55 years or so. Right, so that sequence in JFK where Kevin Coster's in court and he has the the people seated in a <laughs> chair, that's actually your presentation?
0: Yes, yes, yes. They did not have anything in the script. When I went down, and Oliver Stone gave it to me to read, and uh, there was one error. They had the bullet uh, measured in grams rather than grains. I corrected that, and I strongly suggested that they they understood, and uh, they bought it right away, and that's a wonderful scene with Kevin Costner.
1: And that also kind of brought you into other um, known American assassinations. You were called by Noguchi in L.A. after RFK was murdered, is that correct?
0: Yes, Uh, Tom, who is a longtime friend and colleague still is to this day, although he's long retired, uh, Tom uh, called me in the middle of the night, three-hour time difference to tell me that Robert Kennedy had been shot. Uh, He didn't need any advice on the autopsy, but he wanted to get my advice. We had become good friends as young men at the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. He wanted to get my advice and suggestions to make sure that they didn't spirit the body of the senator out of L.A. like they had done with the president in Dallas. And I advised Tom, uh, you be proactive. Invite them to come in as your observers. And he invited three uh, military forensic apologists to be there and things worked out quite well. So I was an advisor and I went out there and went to the Ambassador Hotel where Robert Kennedy was shot and so on. And I've dealt with that. Another case uh, with, uh, with cover-up, I'll ask you, what I've asked thousands of people over the years in multiple, multiple presentations, of what what do you recall being the distance as there's a senator walking out through the kitchen area? They couldn't take him through the ballroom. He had just won the primary in California. They'd never get him out of there from his thousands of devoted uh, supporters. And so they said, let's go out to the kitchen. So he's walking out to the kitchen, and there's Sirhan out in front of him, and Sirhan uh, uh, shoots him. What was the distance that
1: you would recall? Well, was six one. feet, seven feet, supposedly? Okay,
0: you're, you're, you're in the range, six feet. People say six feet, eight feet, ten feet. 12 feet, two feet, the distance, You're ready for this, and you'll find it on the autopsy report. This is not Weck's opinion. This is determined by Dr. Noguchi and, um, and corroborated through ballistics tests, criminalistic shooting. inches away and never in such a position that the bullet would have moved forward so you got to be asking yourself so how the hell is this possible what is weck telling me well it's possible you know why because at the trial Naguchi was never asked as by the direct um, on direct examination obviously and then amazingly on cross-examination an experienced criminal defense attorney named Grant cooper never bothered to ask dr gucci what was the distance was the trajectory of that shot Dr. Noguchi that killed Senator Kennedy. He was never asked that. You like that? Stinks to
1: high heaven, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It stinks a lot. And you are also kind of friends, or you made an acquaintance with Harvey Oswald's widow, Marina and George DeMornschultz. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes,
0: yeah, you're you're really on top of it. You're you're right, you're right. Uh, I uh, had lunch with Marina and, and met with her and had some correspondence since then on and off and I met and with George de Mornschild at his home. He was a a white Russian, uh, McGray, uh, who had become uh, some active in the oil industry. And for whatever reason, he reached out to Oswald, he said, because he felt sorry for Oswald after his two and a half year stay in Russia and so on. So uh, he befriended Oswald. And interestingly, uh, as that story began to unfold, and Dean Warren was on his way to Washington to testify before a Senate committee stopped at his daughter's house in Florida and conveniently committed suicide. That's 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 the story there,
1: right? And Marina, she never believed that Oswald was involved. No, no, yeah, so
0: she she strongly and uh, and clearly not not you know not in a wild uh, forensic passion. Uh, She's a very lovely, intelligent uh, lady, Um, and she she said there's no way that he never voiced any thoughts along those lines at all.
1: Gotcha. And I mean, one of the interesting things about the book is how many international cases you've been involved in I don't think many people would know that you've been involved in all these international cases can you talk about those
0: some fa- fascinating cases I've had three in Israel um, Singapore um, Taiwan um,
1: um, Argentina
0: Israel, Argentina oh yes I, I, I'm the first one that showed that
1: uh, what the hell was his name Alberto uh, Nisman Alberto yeah, Nisman Alberto
0: Nisman thank you um uh, the special prosecutor who was going to give his testimony that he did not commit suicide, that he had been murdered. And that now is the official version. But up until that time, you know, they came up here from Argentina and interviewed me extensively. Sure. And, um, yeah, the other, other fascinating cases um, from, from abroad, uh, the cases uh, from Australia where they uh, said this some of these indigenous people, the aborigines, had... Committed suicide. We showed uh, that, that was not the case, and uh, yeah, very interesting. And people will find uh, these versions uh, in the book. Uh, you know, the um, Life and Deaths of uh, the Cyril Weck uh, Memoirs of America's uh, Most Controversial Forensic Pathologist, uh, and then they can go on to read them um, in toto. Um, as you said, there are eight other books that uh, contain um, many of the cases. That I've been involved in, including O.J. Simpson and John Benet Ramsey and Sean uh, TruLevy, Waco Branch Davidian right. fire, Gene Harris, uh, uh, Secretary of Commerce Ron Brown, White House Counsel Vince Foster. Yeah, they're they're all there uh, in in those books, and and most of them are are set forth, you know, in brief fashion in, in this book, uh,
1: The Life and Deaths of right. Sarawak. It's just an amazing career you've had. I mean, you did the autopsies on David Koresh, and really kind of
0: Steven Steven Judy Schneider is lieutenant and top lieutenant, and his wife. You and I went down there and did those repeat uh, autopsies, and then uh, um, Lacey Peterson uh, and uh, and the newborn baby uh, Mm -hmm. did second autopsies on them, and then. The second autopsy.
1: on um, it was, Anna, was Anna, Nicole it, Anna Nicole Smith Anna Nicole Smith Anna Nicole
0: Smith thank you very yep. much so. thank you very much Anna Nicole Smith I did the second autopsy on Daniel Smith uh, in the Bahamas I was going to do a second autopsy on her and then they finally let it go too far and the body began to decompose and so on there's another story so yeah these are the cases uh, and uh, I touch upon them and uh, they're fascinating to read um, and then as I've already said and commented upon, you know, the background of my life, some interesting things growing up where I did uh, in this particular uh, district of uh, of Pittsburgh and and then things I've talked about as corner.
1: And you were kind of, your parents, uh, you were born in kind of an outlying area of Pittsburgh, right? Your parents were... Yes,
0: I was born in in an outlying county. It's close to the West Virginia border. We lived there for one year and then uh, uh, for seven years... Um, in a, um, a part of Allegheny County, a suburb of Pittsburgh, and then we moved to the, what is called the uh, Hill District, Lower Hill District. It's uh, just on the edge of downtown Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, it's an area that was populated um, largely, overwhelmingly, by um, immigrants, first generation. My father was from Lithuania, my mother from uh, Kiev, Russia, which is now Ukraine. And uh, that's where I grew up and went to school. And um, it was very interesting, too. And I talk about that uh, also in my relationships in the African American community and all the cases that I handle, as I've said, involving. In cases of an egregious nature, which uh, people have finally begun to recognize and appreciate, in light of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and uh, and others um, and in these, you know, in the past year or two.
1: Right, and you had there were specific cases of police brutality in Pittsburgh that yep. never made the national media, but these kind of things no. have been happening.
0: Yeah, exactly. Johnny Gamish, uh, one case uh, did did get covered somewhat. Um, He was the first cousin of Pittsburgh, all pro, Steeler tackle, Ray Seals, and he was stopped for no reason. His crime was, I call it Dwebeck, D-W-B-E-C, driving while black in an expensive car. Driving while black in an expensive car. (laughs) That's it. I remember uh, being on a TV program with Montel Williams in New York City, he was telling me how he'd gotten himself one of those Hummers after the Iraq war, uh, they just come out. Had a new vehicle then, and he was driving along, and cops stopped him, uh, no reason at all. Of course, one minute later, when they realized who he was, then they were asking him for tickets to his TV show. But uh, they you were know, already there, uh, two pints upon him. And this is what they did here on Johnny Gammage in Pittsburgh, and uh, seven, eight cops, they didn't do a damn thing. And next thing he's dead, compression asphyxiation, placing somebody down, face down, Putting your knee on the chest, um, and I'm not permitting a degree. You know, you've seen this depicted in the George Floyd different versions of it, and and that's that's what they do: compression asphyxiation. That's what that's what it's called, or or positional asphyxiation. Um, They're synonymous.
1: And the police were never really, uh, you know, clamped down. None of the brutality seemed to uh, ever be prosecuted. No,
0: no, no. And that gets back to you know that first trial of mine. Uh, District attorneys, they—they uh, they don't like—they—they just—you know—they're—they're—they're they're, they're buddies. You know, they work with the cops all the time, and uh, you know, it takes an awful lot to get a, a case charged. Many of these cases are then settled civilly for huge sums of money. You never hear about that because they're—they're they're confidential. But uh, in the overwhelming number of cases, no charges are ever brought
1: right and you at the end of the book you had so many nice comments from a diverse amount of people football players fellow uh doctors attorneys about your life so it was really kind of a great part of the book
0: that I enjoyed yes, reading i'm very i'm very proud of the fact that i got some wonderful people who uh, make some
1: nice comments yes and is there anything else you'd like to add dr weck before no no we to... i think no okay.
0: and i thank you you're obviously um, um well versed and uh and knowledgeable in these matters. Oh, no, I, I thank you very much for your time, and um, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss these cases with
1: you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, too. Again, the title of the book is The Life and Deaths of Cyril Wecht, Memoirs of America's Most Controversial Controversial Forensic Pathologist. Thank you so much, Dr. Wecht. Thank you. All right, have a great day. Thank you. All
0: right. All right. Mr. Ramsey, a pleasure. Have a great holiday. You as well. Happy thank
1: holidays you. to you.
0: Thank you.